Hi, Kevin. How are you? Hey, Owen. Well, isn't that an interesting world we're living in these days? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is historic times. I mean, I've said it before, but it's yeah, every day something new seems to crop up. It's absolutely fascinating, isn't it? What's, what's, what's the news where you are? Well, you know, it's all a plain out of what's going on in a big sense. Um, the We've had confirmation recently that uh, Trudeau has definitely formally ceded over the West Coast to China, that China is now operating as the de facto legal power there, operating under their own laws, especially in these protected enclaves around the superport, Prince Rupert. So when you say formally, how, how do you mean formally? Is, is... An agreement. This is a signed agreement, but like with most agreements and laws in Canada, they're never made public. They're done order in council. I just saw him yeah. uh, in a photo with the Queen. Has is, is he come over here to shake hands with the Queen just recently to seek her approval? Or is that from well, where? It well, it wouldn't surprise me because, uh, it, it, like I mentioned, the big picture here is that using the destruction in the Ukraine to keep America occupied there, China is moving in in a big way to grab British Columbia as a base of operations to take the whole continent. Because, um, you know, the, the, the main opposition China faced in the world was from America, not Russia, who's kind of a junior partner. And um, the way to get them now is to distract their attention and make the move now. So this heralds a complete um, takeover bid by China. Russia will assist them for now. Uh, China, you see, China knew that Russia was a weaker position than them economically in other ways. And frankly, I think that NATO was provoked by China to go into the Ukraine in order to provoke uh, Putin to attack because they know exactly the psychology and the history of Russia is you don't mess around on their border and not expect a reaction. So that suits China's uh, agenda very well. Behind that screen, they're taking over. Now, don't forget that the China system, Chinese government and political economic system is totally adapted to the corporatocracy. It's the kind of system they want. So, um, you know, it, that people say, well, why in the middle of this COVID thing is a war breaking out? It helps the corporatocracy. It not only helps the, the bankers and the oil companies and everything, but it's helping solidify that, that global uh, oligarchy. And uh, China will be the leading a actor in that for a long time, maybe for centuries. It, it seems to me that there's there's two tiers, right? We've we've got that um, yeah. international, perhaps continental, very much like 1984 George Orwell's book, where he's looking at Eurasia, Oceania, but but the level up is is the level of what researchers call the cult, right? Or, or, or that that overseeing network. I was listening to uh, Harry Vox. I don't know if you know him, but he he talks about the Israeli Jewish Zionist uh, banking cartel that's running the whole thing via BlackRock and Vanguard. And and so it's basically the the network or the cult fighting itself to a certain extent. I mean, I was obviously using the the pawns of the people to do so, but is it because uh, the West has to a certain extent uh, gathered some momentum on a wake up, and so there's this you know from a, a corporate uh, global perspective, the the headquarters is is looking to um, attack the the wake up area region uh, and so areas such as 
Canada, Australia and Ukraine especially are all very recognized and well known for grain, right? For food, for the the breadbasket is Ukraine, right? So is is that an encroachment into the West of their logistical sustenance? I think it's not so much the areas that people are awakening because you see that awareness spreading all over the planet. I was just okay. yesterday I was on three different Zoom calls, uh, three different areas of the world where people were organizing common law republics and working towards July when we're holding an international convention of people from all these different countries to try to be a, a federation of common law republics, kind of our answer to the corporatocracy, right? Including but, Russia um, and China. There's groups in uh, in Finland and Russia and Sweden who are organizing something there as well. Yeah, definitely. Great but to you're right about the resources and it's all about resources, you know? Um, but in terms of the cliques, um, it, it's not, they're not ultimately governed by the secret societies. It's kind of like saying to people go to, you know, do the elites go to church? They use religion and these different things as ways to simply mask their real intention um, and to keep people afraid, you know, it, it, it's it's part of that whole thing. I'm not saying those things don't go on, but it's not the primary factor here. Uh, if Trudeau went over to see, quote, the queen, uh, yeah, it was to let her know what's going on and to get right. the official sanction of the crown to legitimate the, the Chinese takeover on the West Coast. No doubt that that's what they had to do formally by the, you know, by their rules. Uh, okay. She's got to sign off, Right. Right. Also to perhaps uh, throw a bit of PR towards the royalists in Canada, right? Yeah, anything to distract. I mean, that's the point. And the Chinese, they're adept in Sun Tzu and the art of war. They know exactly how to divide and conquer their adversaries. They're using Russia now. Russia is going to think that there will be an alliance. Frankly, what I see 50, 100 years down the road is that China will take over North America. Don't forget the entire Pacific Rim and the Indo-Pacific region. That's where the world economy is now growing the quickest. And China will dominate that whole Pacific Rim. Russia will be on the margins and eventually they'll come to war. I think Europe and Russia are going to have to unite eventually as America goes down. And kind of the, the main opposition China will face half a century for now. But that's somewhat speculative. But I think it's based on the direction things are going now. And don't forget the overarching umbrella will be the corporatocracy in which there are no nations. There are no religions or ideologies. They're just everyone serving that machine, right? And so, and so there's certain you know, variables, uh, weapons, you might say, but um, there's certain infrastructural levers and mechanisms that they have at their disposable, uh, economics being one of them. And, and so with this sort of division that they're they're creating, contriving, with um you know Russia and the West with this Ukrainian situation. Yeah. They they it feels to me that there's a pressure and a panic for them to you know to, to push things on faster than perhaps they'd like. Because you know we we end the COVID scare and immediately go to this Russian scare. And and that in itself is is right. creating creating a lot of question marks and suspicion with perhaps people who are, who are just beginning their, their, their wake-up journey or whatever, however you like to, to pitch it. But, but these levers and mechanisms are, are creating inflation, creating food hikes, uh, price, price hikes, this kind of thing. And, and so that creates more tension and pressure, you know, just amongst the, the, the regular public. And, and that then, you know, creates that emotional 
you know, you, you come out of the, the higher mind into the limbic system and, and people are therefore more uh, manip- manipulatable, uh, <laughs> pliable yeah. No, yeah. in terms of propaganda. Yeah, right. So, so over on the West coast yeah. of, of the, uh, the North America, we've, we've actually got an, in, in an, an invasion by China. Why un, under, the guise, under the guise of, uh, yeah. Uh, the, the the Russian propaganda machine, and and so how how aware are people over there with you of that, and is there a, a response mounting? Well, like any frontline situation, people in British Columbia don't want to be aware. Um, the evidence is right in front of them, and we've been dealing this for years. I mean, as you know, that's where I did so much of my work, and uh, you can put the evidence in front of people, and it doesn't make any difference, you know. You can have Chinese tanks in the streets of Vancouver and they still will be in denial about it. But although that won't be necessary because they already own the whole place, they don't need to bring in tanks. Okay. Um, the important thing, though, is that it's just a stepping stone to the, the takeover of the whole continent. And that's, you know, I mean, when you look at what's going on in America, uh, when Trump gets appointed in 2024, um, it'll be outright civil war at that point. Uh, and they're getting ready now. Like I've got a lot of people and friends and family all over America, and they're telling me all these very ominous signs of, um, you know, arming of both sides, the, you know, the Republicans and Democrats. They're arming for a civil war. It's right on the verge of exploding. That's all being done with Chinese money and, and lobbying and political pressure and everything because they they can then step in and pick up the pieces. You can see you, that'll happen. It's kind of a fait accompli, I think. So the real question now is, what do we create out of the ashes? Is there anything that's going to be left for us to hold up, you know, the alternative, which, you know, we don't expect the Republic to be a working alternative now, but it's a seed of an idea that down the road, people will revive again when they see what's happening, right? Well, well, Biden's a massive asset in that, right? Because he's, he's, you know, a senile madman criminal to say, to say the least, right? So I, saw, I actually saw some, some defensive battlements, it looked like being built outside the White House in, in Washington, perhaps in preparation for these truckers, um, which was, it seemed quite low key. I didn't, I didn't hear much about what happened with the, with the Washington trucker situation, but because Biden is, is such a, a calamitous uh, leader, you know, you think it'll get to 2024 before the Trump situation arrives? So this is this is the patriotic for, for, for people over here that perhaps aren't quite up to date with it. So so Trump galvanizes the the patriots, the the um yeah. constitutional crowd. And and no. Biden is is a globalist uh, Well that's that's the impression they're trying to create. Okay, but don't forget this is just an impression. Trump is no more uh, allied with the patriot movement than than Biden is. I mean, right. it's like lawyers in, in a court pretending to be fighting each other, right? Sure, but from the divide and rule yeah. perspective, they they, they want to yeah. create that civil war with you know Trump and and, and the the patriots oh, yeah. versus Biden and the globalists. Right? But Trump is connected with uh, Israeli Zionist banking money. He's no no, no one has pumped he's, yeah no one has pumped more he's money into Israel than Trump, right? Well, he's personal friends with two of the people we in, convicted in our criminal court, Emma uh, Walmsley and uh, Alfred Borla. Um, he, they're big contributors to him. I mean, you just have to scratch the surface and you see who's running who, right? But what, like I mentioned, um, the civil war is going to be overt. There's going to be out-and-out military conflict, and people are already arming for that now. 
Um, and China, that's why China, that's why the war had to happen so quick because, um, you know, it created a massive distraction. I, I did a survey online of the New York Times. Originally in the first section, about 80% of the coverage was about COVID until before the war. Now about 80% is about the Ukraine war. Right. COVID vanishes. It's a media switch. Yeah, yeah. No, it's classic big brother technique. And, yeah. and so the real question is, um, is there people who see through that and don't get caught up in this typical bipolar, good, evil, civil war scenario that's been created? Um, there are no good guys and bad guys. There's there's this thing we're all part of, which is coming apart. And um, there's this tyranny being created that they're, the people in, char- in charge of that are trying to create an inse- uh, un- unassailable thing that will never be able to be taken out. And they have the technology now to do that. That's the, the reality here. And, um, and so, you know, I mean, um, I'm, I'm reading one of these points in Sun Tzu and the Art of War. Uh, there can be no reliable defense in war. Any defensive posture invites attack. So that's exactly how Putin is thinking right now. He says, if we stay defensive here and they come right into the Ukraine, they're invite, we're inviting them to come in and take all of Russia, right? And NATO has to do that because NATO slash America is in their death rows. They know America is going down and they're striking out in panic and fear. And China is exploiting both of them. China is manipulating both of them to gain the upper hand. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of the general situation we're in. But, you know, there nothing's written in stone. I mean, there can be a lot of unforeseen things that happen. And that depends on all of us, right? Right. So, so, so you you think that China are, are pulling the global strings um, of of Russia and the West? You, you well, see where China- did COVID come? Where did COVID come out of? Uh, where do, is most of the corporatocracy's main funds now located in the in the Asian world? Right. Um, follow the money, but also it's just obvious from looking at what's going on. If 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 you get outside the blinkers of what we're always being fed. Uh, you know, even even to talk about countries now is probably redundant. That's not the way it's it's devolving right. at all, right? We're getting to continental stage, right? And and so so that's um, how, how does the how, from from your perspective, how does how does the the banking situation um, fit in? You know, with regards to uh, well, we we've spoken about the the Vatican money, but also Zionist Israeli, you know. Uh, Banking networks, uh, they're they're drifting over towards China as as a as a hub as a base, and, oh, yeah. and, that's, and, and leaving the West, right? Yeah, well, I mean, the West is 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 not a factor anymore, really. Um, not in terms of the progression of it. Most of the money in the world goes through the Vatican Bank and the Bank of International Settlements in Geneva. Uh, including the Israeli money. It's all being pumped through there. But now that money is all going to China, like we've talked about that before. Um, but, you know, what? the thing to remember about all this is that um, we only see what we're allowed to see, right? And we've got to use our own experience, our own knowledge on the ground. I was just talking to a group of um, people who, yeah, on one of my Zoom calls, this is a group of naturopaths who are trying to create an alternative to the healthcare system, but they don't have any understanding what they're operating in. They're thinking in all the old terms. Um, and so we said to them, well, look, um, if we don't create something now as an alternative, there's not going to be anything in 10 years, right? 
Um, that's the, the the way things are rep. It's going exponentially now. And to expect people to try to create something out of the blue, I don't know. It, it, it People don't rea- react naturally that way. They're always looking to the old, right? Something from the past that they can rely on. And that's why, you know, what we're doing now, it, it's certainly going uphill. It's going against the stream, but it's it's essential to be creating those alternatives now because that's the only seed we'll have in the future, right? And, and economics for me seems seems a real flashpoint where where we are. You know, everybody you, you listen to the the financiers they're, they're talking about this inflation and and the price hikes and you know the, the food and logistics as we've mentioned already, and and so that that area of of trade and and barter and and economics that that's that's right on our doorstep, right? This is this within the next six to twelve months that that's going to have a huge shift, right? Right, but you know, again, it's it's. Uh, it goes back to the whole question of what we mean when we say um, people are awake. Um, it, it, it's, I think it's an inaccurate term because we haven't awoken that we only awake when we're engaged with something and we lose something in a big way and we have to fight. Cause I think the act of fighting and, and resistance is what really awakens us. Right. Um, you know, we talked about that before where people can sit in a room and have all sorts of different ideas and do a zoom call. Anything can be true. Right. But you know what's true when something strikes you. You know the reality when, as you've experienced, you're locked away, right? You know the nature of the state when it comes down on you, right? Yeah. And at that point, it becomes a very practical issue. I remember in history when um, right after Hitler took power, all the churches in Germany were on board with them, Catholic, Protestant. They were all 90%. But there was a, a splinter group called the Confessing Church. These were German pastors who basically said, look, Hitler's the Antichrist. He's replacing the cross with the swastika, the Bible with Mein Kampf, um, and we have to actively resist. But how they started wasn't in overt resistance. They began as a support network among clergy who were married to Jews or partial Jews, So, and they were, they were thrown out of their jobs because of it. They started as a, def- a support network, a defense response to that. And out of that came a whole underground movement that eventually was part of the assassination attempts on Hitler. But they had to, they began from a defensive reaction, and that's what we all do. I mean, we, we respond to how can I protect myself? And then when you you realize that ultimately you can't, you got to think bigger. you got to think beyond that to how do we replace this? How do we effectively fight? And I think that's really the issue now, not so much how we interpret world events, which can have multiple interpretations, but we, we, what, I'm, what I see missing right now is the will and the courage to actually fight. You know, that, that doesn't seem, I'm speaking largely from Canada and the U.S., but, uh, and there are there's exceptions to that, but by and large, people don't know how to because they haven't had to. They've lived in a system with a lot of fat on it, um, and they don't know what it means to fight back. So that's a skill we need to acquire quickly under fire, right? Well, there's what's brewing is is resentment, fury, anger, this kind of thing, because the infrastructure is is clearly being, you know, dismantled and, and destroyed. You know, particularly in in the US, I hear the gas prices are are massive already, and and with this these sort of continental splits arriving, you know that that price hike and the, and the the cost of living and the belt tightening and the difficulty of of day to day existence is is about to change in a big way. So so that recognition of who the enemy is. This this is what they're doing, right? This is why they're saying, "Hey, look over there to Ukraine," because there's your, there's your enemy. You know, Putin is the new virus. 
he's the madman, you know, the, the new, you know, right. bogey character that, that the media is throwing at people. But I don't think everybody's buying that. I, I think there's a there's a healthy percentage who are asking, you know, good questions. And, and so that that sort of framing of, of who to fight, you know, who, who is the enemy is, is the big question. And so, you know, perhaps people aren't where you are in terms of recognizing that there's this stealth invasion that's fully uh, you know, in place and, and the infrastructure is there from, from China. But, th- but they're asking the questions, right? There, there's a lot of healthy questions about what the hell's going on. Oh, yeah. being- no, no, I, I don't say that that doesn't go on, but um, people can only do that for so long. Uh, I found this uh, just personal examples over the years, um, uh, working with Aboriginal people, like, they'll be sitting in a healing circle and they all, they all know the problem. They all live through it, but they're all incapacitated by fear. Almost every one of them. By fear. And they don't know what to do. Right? Fear. fear. Uh, and, and yeah, they have a lot of awareness. I mean, they went through it. They know what they're dealing with. And because they're so aware, they don't want to fight it. They've got too much knowledge. They've got too much experience of the nature of this thing, knowing it can crush them in an instant if it wanted to. All they do is hide, you know, survivors hide including in their own mind, they hide from themselves and they, and they tell themselves a lot of lies. Well, I see that going on in an analogous way among long, you know, you look at non-native people in, in the mainstream culture and that they're in a state of trauma still, but they have a lot of knowledge, you know, but they're saying, well, what do we do with it? And when we say, okay, well, we've got to start passing our own laws, enforcing them, creating another power pole to bring people out of the system. They won't, they just refuse and that's not pessimistic. That's our experience. Um, th- you know, they would rather find a piece of security rather than resist. And I think that that's the real issue we have to deal with, because if that doesn't change, there isn't a future, right? And, and, and there, therein it lies the um, the choice that, you know, that they have, you know, these, these, uh, the people you're talking about, is that p- perhaps it's it's a better choice to you know, take the, the government handout money and live in the way that they, you know, prescribe for us to live so that they don't send, you know, the, the cops over to beat us up, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But this, this is what's arriving for me is, is the, that between the rock and the hard place where, you know, it's, it's encroached into people's sustenance. You know, the base level of Maslow's pyramid, shelter, food, water is, is about to get majorly affected and so it's back to the wall last chance the saloon and you know this this is the the wound the dangerous uh the beast right that you know is is going to jump because it's cornered well in theory yeah i mean i don't see it happening but that can change you know i know in history that can change quickly overnight people can flip so i'm not discounting that uh i'm speaking more of like the way i put it to the group last night the the conscious people are a small wheel and the masses of people are a big wheel, but you need a middle wheel of people willing to organize, to set up alternatives, to be the clerk uh, of the court, to be the sheriff, to actively say, my, na- my life is now devoted to this. And without that devotion and a new set of priorities in your life, that middle wheel doesn't exist. And you're going to smash yourself against the big wheel and be ineffective. And so all of the effort of the state is to wipe out that middle wheel all the time, Right to say, no, no, you don't need this assemblies. If you, if you join the Republic, you're going to get arrested. That's what scared off a lot of our people on the West Coast, that rumor. 
that was put in by operatives, right? Kevin Annette is going to uh, is making money off you and you know all these lies to get people afraid, and you'll get arrested if you join his assembly. Um, and so you know they knock out that middle wheel, and the minority is just sitting here ineffective. And um, on that point you said about the government paying money to people, uh, just as a side point, in Canada they just announced. Oh, you know how we said that we were going to give you $2,000 every month, tax-free and everything? Well, you have to pay it back now if you don't get the shot. If you don't get the shot, you have to pay back all that money. <laughs> and, and, and what's the result of that going to be? Well, it's going to be people getting entrenched more in that position of nothing left to lose. You know, it's, it's backs to the wall. Maybe. We've, we've got to fight, right? Yeah. Maybe one out of 10 might have that reaction. And we're looking for those one out of 10. We're trying to organize them all the time. But – I was just doing that with a group in Ontario and they said, okay, we got to take action, but look at everybody around us. Who do we appeal to? There's nobody to appeal to. They're all in that state of helplessness. But again, it's not the cop out there. It's a cop in their head, the voice in their head, which is preventing them from risking and taking the next step. And I, you know, I say, look, are you willing to die for this? Because I don't mean that in a melodramatic way, but if your life is on the line and you know, you can't do anything, you fight that much harder. You have nothing to lose. I mean, I had that experience over the last while when I had all these health issues, right? And I was seriously thinking, okay, so there's a chance I'm being targeted chemically, electronically. That's very possibility. I've got four different health issues now in my body. So all the more reason to fight. I want to make every day count. That's yeah. what it evokes in me. But that isn't an immediate response in people. You have to have lost a lot often in your life to get to that point. Uh, or... Maybe your character is different. I don't know, but it's hard to say with different people, but that's what we have to appeal to that capacity in people to say to hell with it. This is my fight now to the death. We're in this to the death. And when you get people like that, that's when you become uh, a threat to the system. And then, you know, then it goes to a whole new level, but I mean, we're, we're gradually getting there, but it goes one step forward, two steps back all the time. Right. On, on, on your health could, if, if it's not too, Personal point. Can, can we get an update? You, you, your stones uh, settle down. Is, is that right? Well, no, the stone is still there. It's holding in the same size and it's, lobbed, it's lodged in the lower lobe of the, of the left kidney. It's just kind of sitting there. In a way, that's the least of my problems because I've had um, a return of the, um, the, the skin infection I had. This is... Um, Staphylococcus infection just keeps recurring all the time. Um, the hearing problem is getting worse, almost permanent hearing loss in my left ear. And now I've been diagnosed with eye issues having to do with probable borderline glaucoma, which kind of came out of the blue. Now, glaucoma is caused by increasing pressure in the eye, which stops the uh, fluid from draining. And then a lot of pressure builds up on the eye and, and you can go blind from it unless you're treated. But all of this is kind of hit me right out of the blue uh, last fall. And it was definitely an attack. And so I, 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 I say to people, look, it doesn't matter if I die tomorrow or a year from now or 10 years from now. What matters is what we do in the next moment, the next hour. Every day, it's kind of switching your priorities and being devoted to this and not dabbling in it, which people feel they can have all their own life and then dabble in this stuff. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't do anything when you operate it out of that way of thinking, right? 
so that last fall when when you feel like you had an attack do do you have any ideas about where that might have happened or or, or how it sounds to me very much like yeah. uh, EMF electromagnetic frequency like, oh, like yeah. you, in yeah. Canberra in Australia I don't know if you saw that but there's a lot of injuries along those lines the symptoms you're talking about yeah. where, where they had uh, evidence of uh, the police firing these sonic weapons at the yeah. crowds right I've been living off the radar a lot. I've been living on different safe houses, but nothing's, uh, you know, infallible. It's uh, it's easy to track someone. I'm surprised when it didn't happen to me a lot sooner. Uh, but under the general climate, I think it's a lot easier to take people out now because people are so afraid and for themselves that, you know, they don't care as much anymore. They're just kind of cowering in their own holes and they, they don't want to come out. I find that with a lot of people that they're there now, you know, in that, that state of mind. So, I mean, yeah, it's conceivable that could be going on, but I don't even focus on that. I focus on just keeping my spirits up and, and focused every day to allow me to do the work I've got to do, right? I, I, I completely agree. I think if, if they will, they've got such a a grid, a kill grid set up, you know, with electromagnetic frequencies, if, if they want to just, you know what's it called, combust us in a, in a moment. I think, yeah. I think they've got the technology to do that. The reason they don't want to do that is because of the, uh, the wake-up factor that that would bring. You know, there's, there's a couple of very peculiar-looking um, deaths that have happened uh, with regards to people in cars exploding and this kind of thing. So, so I think that, uh, you know, you're, you're exactly right, that if, if they wanted to, they could, but they don't want to because of the consequences, no. right? Yeah, it's too much... Uh uh light being shone on if something happened to me a lot of people would set up and take notice and the interest in my work would would increase again why why would they hand that to us right yeah. um so you know i it, it's also the fact we've talked about this before but you know the the adversary you know so to speak they're just people like us placed in a different situation you know uh any of us can be doing that if we're placed in a different situation circumstance in our life we could be on the other side um, the way human beings rationalize things to each other and, and to themselves. So um, those human beings on the other side who are doing all this stuff, they know it's wrong. Somewhere inside themselves, it's that kind of, you know, that expression, worm of conscience. It's digging away, wanting its way through them. And um, they secretly have a death wish. They want it to come down. I, I experienced this in the United Church in a big way. They were the very clergy who were destroying my life were relying on me to bring out the truth about something they didn't want to bring out themselves, but they knew it had to come out. The whole thing about the mass murder of native children, it still weighs on the conscience of those people, but they can breathe the cyber release because now they say, Oh, we've, we've acknowledged it. So they almost use that as the way to continue in their own illusion. And the same thing is happening with the COVID thing. Um, so I think, don't forget, this is ultimately just about people and um, very messed up people, <laughs> but we can appeal to that all the time, hearts and minds, keep the moral high ground, right? You, you said they were relying on you to blow the whistle and, and to disclose all this. How do you mean re relying? That's, that's interesting. This is at a subconscious level, right? Yeah. Oh, I, you know, I had experience of that. Um, you know, when, uh, for example, the uh, one of the first hearings they had in the United Church to basically tell me I had to uh, come around or I'll face defrocking and all that. I had to do all these things. Um, they, they said, I said, you know, this is about crimes we did. We have to face it. 
And I remember one fairly senior official said, of course we will, but all in good time when it, when it will have minimum impact on us. And I said, so, uh, so if you know that, then why are you going after me now? And he said, for appearance sake. He was remarkably disclosing. He said, for appearance sake, because it's better to scapegoat one person at the time. And, you know, let, let's say they came out when I talked about and I show them all the evidence of, of genocide in the residential schools. And then if they all brought that out all at once, everyone would leave the church and would collapse. Right. Um, and yet they couldn't. They, they had to feed it in pieces. So you get rid of the whistleblower. He's allowed the issue to be addressed without any harm to them. And then they can parcel out information in stages to acclimatize people. It's called inoculation in public relations. Okay. You, you inoculate uh, uh, the people with bits and pieces. And finally, you can talk about the whole thing and no one will care because they've gradually uh, uh, normalized the genocide. And this is, this is what's going on now. It's so normal out there now to wear masks that, you know, there's not even an issue anymore, right, in people's mind. It's become part of the, the way – it's really like a, an identification badge of, yes, you can experiment on me. I'm wearing this muzzle. But that had to come in stages just like the genocide thing did. So it's that, that process of normalization, and we have to know how we're being used. And I had to learn that over time. But you just don't feed their energy into their system anymore. That's the, the main way we prevent being used – according to an agenda we don't even know about, um, keep your own identity and move in another direction out of the system. And they have to run after you. I mean, we proved that in Canada, right, with our campaign. Well, with a net run after you to, to, to pull you back into it? No, they have to run after us to copy what we're doing, but on their yeah. terms, right? I mean, Trudeau uses the word genocide now. We were the only ones using that word 15 years ago. Now they're using it. You see, they have to try to capture the language, but they're changed in the process too, right? It, like, it's like culture. It's porous. It goes in two directions all the time. We're in that uh, joint codependency with the people we're fighting, right? That, that, it's normalizing it, right? So, so, so the word genocide, if, if, the, if the prime minister is using it, then you know, that's okay because you know, if there was a problem, he would have done something about it. I've just been doing quite a lot of um, child protection stuff with the, with the family courts, so I don't like to call them that. Let's, let's call them someone else. But um, similarly with, with that scenario, all these children are getting you know, ripped out of the arms of, of mothers and fathers, you know, parents. And, and that, that's normal, right? That's been going on for so, so many decades now that, that you try and address that with somebody and they'll say, yeah, you know, that, that the social services take children, put them in foster cares homes. And right. that's, that's, that's just what happens. You know, why, why are you so upset about that? And, and, and that's normalization. You know, how do, how do you shatter the, the ice? It's the dead eye. It's the dead hand of the machine okay so genocide isn't children being beaten to death and tortured to death and their bodies rotting in the ground somewhere or somebody taking his life 10 years later because he can't stand it you know all these the visual reality of what it is it's all sanitized out by the word language sanitizes you know child protection it sanitizes rape and torture and, and child traffic and all this horrible shit right so we have to put a human face on that again that's how we've brought about changing canada on this whole thing of, and, and again, genocide is a dead word. You know, it's Greek, a Greek word, you know, like what does it mean to most people? Most people don't even know what the term means. So we always say, okay, so the torture of children, 
Here's how they were tortured. Here's how they're still tortured. Imagine a child being held down and have drugs shoved in their arm to test out a drug and then have their skin disintegrate or their eyes fall out or their hair fall out at, at age four, right? Because of drug testing that Pfizer and GlaxoSmithKline and Novartis and others are still doing as we speak to people in hospitals. Well, three of the people we, uh, we did detain on Vancouver Island, they pointed out one of these mass grave sites where people killed in drug testing experiments were buried as recently as 2019. So, I mean, this stuff is happening right now. And when people realize that, they go, my God, I could be next, right? We just can't let this go on anymore. But so that's why they always talk about things it, in the past. It frightens them, right? And, and they kind of cripple because of the fear aspect. To a point, but then the reverse happens and they get suddenly they just go, whoa, I can't. This has got to stop. All right. And uh, it's up to me to do something. I've seen that change happen in people. Right. And it's, it's unpredictable how it happens. It just happens as it will. But the point is, you have to be always telling the visual truth to people. And um, it's not something in the past. It's not something far away. It's immediate in our neighborhood. Right. And here's what it looks like. When I was in my early 20s, after I finished college, I, I, I got a couple of jobs advertising and sales promotion. It, it sort of springs to mind that, you know, that, that's what we've we got to do. We've got to find almost a, a new razzmatazz way of, in inverted commas, selling truth to, to, uh, uh, to the masses. It sounds so weird. No, I think that, well, it, I think that's the, the, the problem is that, Truth is seen as a commodity. Truth is seen something you have to impose on people and convince them of. You don't have to convince anyone of the truth. They already know what it is. Um, you, I know what you're saying, but um, it, it, you don't use their methods because all that's designed, that, that's based on a contempt of people that they don't have the, the ability to figure things out. They do. It's just that they're too busy and too frightened and too unaware of what's going on to really work it through for themselves. Um, That'll change, though. That changes as things break down and people have to start asking questions. And that's what you referred to earlier by the, the waking up process, right? Right. And, and so then the, the, the media, again, comes into play in a, in a big way. For me, it's, it's the number one battlefront that, that we're at. And, and so you, you see the deterioration, the, the corrosion, if you like, of such as the BBC, you know, the popularity and the viewing figures, they're, they're, they're plummeting, right, in a big way. So people are looking to other areas and other places, media platforms, perhaps is the phrase. And, and that's, that's quite exciting for me because there are uh, options. You know, we've we got a, a platform over here called Iconic, uh, which is, you know, gathering a lot of momentum. But then there's the, the whole business aspect of that platform where you think to yourselves, well, are they, you know, trying to hit as many people as possible from a from a money perspective, and then not going quite as far as they might with regards to the content of of what they're uh, publicizing? So uh, it's, it's, it's swings and roundabouts. Isn't it? Yeah, I couldn't figure out when I when I first began to get, you know, we all go through stages of naivety, right? And and if you you get hit enough and you learn from your experience, then you change. But uh, you know, I, I wondered early on, hey, I've got all of these eyewitness testimonies of these crimes. We've got the records. We've got even forensic evidence from graves. How come none of the alternative media are reporting any of this? Right. You go what a story. to them, you give it to them. Okay, <laughs> so that's because the alternative media are heavily targeted by the state. They're either funded right. by them or influenced by them, or, or the news agencies they rely on are controlled themselves. 
by the corporatocracy. The one I love is, uh, I don't know if you know Sun Oil Company. It's called Sunoco. It's a big gas company in America. Well, they're the ones who run the green movement in America. They run a thing through, called the Pew Foundation. And Greenpeace and all these organizations are funded by them. And so when we were uh, working with some of the people on the West Coast trying to stop the last of the logging of the old growth, Greenpeace said, no, I'm sorry, we can't be involved in that campaign. Why? Because the Pew Foundation would cut off their funds because Sun Oil Company told them not to fund that because obviously they had investments in the logging of the big timber. So things are controlled in ways we don't understand. And the, the litmus test is when you have evidence that really damns the system and nobody will touch it, that's that's yeah. the proof of where they're where their allegiance is, right? Because why wouldn't they report it, right? Well, it's the, it's the corporate headset, right? Oh, we've got to, you know, put food on our tables. We've got to feed our children, da, da, da. So, so we'll choose our, our market share, you know, our target audience. And, and there is that target audience of, you know, lightweight truthers or whatever you want to call them. Right. And so we'll hit them with, you know, a couple of things here and there, you know, Trudeau's a bastard and this kind of thing. But we're not going to go nearly as far as we might go because then we'll lose that corporate uh, right. sponsorship. And a matter of fact, there was a, I've got to find the reference, but there was a study done by corporations back in the 70s about how to deal with dissent aimed at their company. And they said, they, they very accurately, they had sociologists map the kind of people who protest. And he said, they said, by and large, the bulk of people are moderates. They want change and reform, but they don't want a revolution. They don't want to overthrow the system. They just want alterations. But on the one end, you've got... The, the revolutionaries, the ones who, who recognize that all of these crimes are coming from the same source, and that source has to be replaced. It's, you know, you need to overhaul the whole system. This corporate strategy is to isolate the revolutionary minority from the masses of protesters. Okay. And the way you do that is by offering bribes all the time. You say to them, come on in and, and, and we'll consult you or here. But, you know, don't listen to these radicals like Kevin Annett over there who want to bring down the system. You'll be in danger. That's exactly how they took out our republic assemblies on the West Coast. So it's the isolation of the radical, the aware minority from the rest. That's their key, right? And, and it's carrot and stick, as, as well as that sort of bribery aspect you mentioned, there's, there's also the stick. So the, the, the anti-vaxxers is quite an interesting one at the moment, right? No, nobody wants to be an anti-vaxxer because you can feel that right. there's a persecution job being done on those people. So, so you know, even people who, you know, never had a vaccine in their life or injection in their life, they, they still don't want to be labeled a, an anti-vaxxer, even though pretty much they are an anti-vaxxer because, because of the stigma of the label, right? Energizing words like we spoke of last week. Well, I think it's so funny when you look back 10, 20 years about in the culture, there was such a thing about how drug addicts and drug pushers are so horrible, right? And now the state is the biggest drug pusher around and suddenly that's okay to do that, right? Um, so it, it, these Orwellian flips that can happen is just mind-boggling. And it's part of the disorientation we all feel like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Which is kind of like, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight. I got into my first fight when I was 10 and when this kid was beating me up, your first reaction to being assaulted is not fear. It's confusion. Like what's going on? Why me? There must be something wrong. Uh, just confusion. And in that state of disorientation is when you can really grab people's minds. So they got to keep beating you up all the time, beating you up, right? And when you start to find ways of resisting that mentally, it means that you don't react anymore. Um, I say in the in the whistleblower manual um, that um, action reaction is the, the energy of a slave. There's an act and they react to it. But action maneuver is the response of a conscious man or woman. 
when they do something, you don't react to it. You maneuver on your own terms and use that energy to your advantage. And those are two different totally – when you look at the truckers' protest or any, any protest going on, it's action-reaction, stimulus-response. They know exactly how to stimulate people to get the response they want, right? But they don't – what they couldn't figure out is when they acted and then we responded by putting it back on them and forcing change on our terms, including the Pope out of office, right? That's something they don't know how to deal with. And yet it, it's, it's frustrating so much, Owen, because this, the, the lessons are right there. It's so simple to learn. But people keep rejecting that because we're so conditioned under the action-reaction stimulus-response Your, your right? chapter in that book um, is go for the jugular, right? And, and that's the last thing they expect from, from a, you know, an individual or a small group of people to go for the, the global corporatist boom. And, and, and so then you get, you know, we, I spoke about the limbic system early on. So you've got the, the higher mind, the, when, when you're cool and, and calm and collected, you're accessing all, all aspects of your consciousness. Then you, you, get, you get nervous and frightened and traumatized and you regress into the, into the limbic system, which is very emotional reaction, right? And then, and then you've got that, um, uh, reptilian fight flight and then there's two others and one of them made me think of just a second ago so as well as fight and flight you've got freeze which is you know like you're saying do absolutely nothing but also yeah. fawn right which is basically a, a sort of ass kissing right right well you see that in the animal kingdom all the time right uh animals falling down and presenting themselves like that yeah those are all wired into us that's that's a really interesting thing you know and people who think they're in conscious control of their own minds aren't really because they've got those responses keyed in. So it takes a lot of uh, self-awareness to even find a way to even manage that somehow, right? Rather than not, not, you know, only overcome it, but how on a day-to-day basis do we deal with this? Right. Yeah. And and that fawning is, is very much what they're relying on. I think, right. They, they, they're quite happy for, um, freeze you know if if people just completely go numb and and do absolutely nothing but that 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 fawning is is what you know if if that were to uh switch to to fight everything would change i think you know that that backs to the wall last chance chance saloon oh my god they've, they've come into my backyard now and i can't afford to feed my children well what's what's response is that gonna gonna evoke is it going to be, you know, kiss ass and hope that you can get food? Or is it going to be, um, you know, just do nothing because you just sit down and watch TV or something because you don't know what to do? Or is it going to be fight? And, and this, is, this is what, you know, the, is arriving, right? There, there are fighters coming out of the woodwork now. Okay, but again, to use another analogy from history, all of these films of thousands of people lining up to go into the cattle cars and they're guarded by two soldiers. Okay, they could crush those two soldiers in an instant. How come they don't? Because they're all thinking of their personal safety and they're all believing we can't be, they wouldn't wipe us out. You know, they need us economically. Like this doesn't make any sense. So the disbelief and the fear keeps two able to control 10,000, right? Um, Those who resisted, like in the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, they were already organized. They already had an underground structure. They were already revolutionaries. They saw it coming for a long time and they were prepared. And you know what the very first thing the Jewish resistance in the Warsaw Ghetto did? They didn't shoot Nazis. They assassinated the heads of the uh, zo- the uh, um, 
Jewish elders organization. You see, these were the Jewish elders who collaborated, picked Choices. out all the people in the ghetto who were to be shipped out. They killed Choices. them all. Choices. Well, not just because they were traitors. They were the false leadership, and you couldn't have your leadership divided. You had to get rid of any kind of distraction, collaborating distraction, and be fighting to the death. And they got rid of, they assassinated the top leaders of the Jewish Elders Council. And then they could take up arms, but not before then. By analogy today, you know, well, I think the analogy is pretty obvious, right? <laughs> well, it makes me think straight away that, you know, the, the truckers are, are heading to Washington and, and Ottawa to to do exactly that, to, to get rid of the fake leader. You know, the apples is the other one too, right? Once once you clear out the uh, the phony Iagos from from the leadership situation, then then things become much more uh, efficient, right? Well, unfortunately, they're not. That's not their aim to get rid of the false leaders. Their aim is to again appeal, is to do the fawning, is to say, please don't okay. remove the measures. Like I don't know if you saw those press conferences of the truckers in Canada. They were appealing to the prime minister as if he's the one who mattered, right? And appealing yeah. to this criminally convicted felon to do the right thing. They, they, they were, it, by analogy, it'd be like the Jews going to the Nazis saying, please don't bomb the ghetto, please, yeah. and then be shot, right? I mean, it's, that's, that's not what they're doing, and that's the critical issue now is the lack of that leadership to lead an independent struggle. That's what we're lacking, and, and that's really what I think we need to focus on, how to build that leadership. Well, that comes from good communication first up, right? And and we're we're really in the on the back foot with regards to communication because we're using the enemy's um, right. infrastructure to communicate. That's right. There's there so there can be no clarity uh, as long as we rely on the internet. As long as we use their operating their bailiwick, we'll be continually confused, and you won't be able to cohere a clear thinking leadership. That's what Sun Tzu says. The, the success of a battle depends on the clarity and the will of the commander or the leadership body, clarity and will. And um, we, we both are lacking right now. And that's what we try to do all the time, provide clarity about, you know, what we're in, what we're facing, what we need to do all the time. And that's what I spend most of my time now working with people to help solidify that core. Right. We spoke a couple of weeks ago about uh, the, one of the problems with, our enemy system, our opponent's adversary system, is that they have too rigid a leadership structure. Whereas one of our strengths is that is that we don't have that uh, you know obvious chain of command hierarchical leadership structure. So how, how does that fit in with what we just spoke about? You know, with the problem that we don't have leadership. Right. I didn't mean a leadership in the sense of a massive national body. Okay, that's right. the last thing we want because it can be inf easily infiltrated and destroyed. That's happened to me on four different occasions and movements I was helping set up over the years. Um, With gorillas. You need right? that. Yeah, you need the solid leadership, but in a very localized way. Every local common law assembly or cell group or group working needs that leadership. The way we do it is this. We, when people want to join the Republic, we say you need to form a leadership cell, an LC, we call it, a leadership cell of three people, a convener, a secretary treasurer, and a sheriff. And those three each go out and recruit three other people. And then you've got 12 eventually, and those 12 can form an assembly, sign a charter, right? But each of those cells is separate. And if one got taken out, the other wouldn't, right? And yet it's run by a central leadership cell that initially forms everything. So forming those leadership cells is key to starting moving the bigger wheel eventually, right? 
And that's what we do our training workshops and then that to, to form that. So you get a lot, a thousand of those brush fires forming all over and they can't stamp that out, right? So that's kind of, as opposed to their corporate hierarchy where there really isn't uh, leadership per se, it's just the, the machine itself creates the, uh, well, Marcus Aurelius called it the hegemonicon, the group mind, the single yeah. mind governing everybody, right? Um, so ours is the organic opposite, right? Yeah, they have um, they have fear themselves, though. Sure, I, I I think that you know one of the one of the reasons why uh, you know gorillas um, thrive or survive at least is is because their um, our, our enemies, our opponents, our adversaries, um, decision making. They 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 don't want to be the one that's. Um, Isolated. So Trudeau, for example, is seemingly fairly isolated at the moment. I, I would imagine that's why he's he's trying to you know gain the support of, of the monarchy over here. This kind of stuff is because a, a lot of people, even even his own uh, parliamentarians, I think, are, are, are stabbing him the, him in the back now because they feel that public uh, pressure on him. And, and so because he's he's almost taken a step too far as an individual uh, outside of the hegemonic, and, and people can now you know individually oh, well, right pin, pinpoint that's him like as, Putin. And, and that's and, what the yeah that's what new york times is saying about putin he's overstepped himself he's isolated he's going to be brought down part of that is just the same old destruction but yeah the, the purpose of hand puppets like trudeau or putin or anybody is that they're expendable they can be removed right. and then it you know it's the old chinese system you throw an unpopular minister to the crowd every Year. And they know that, and they right? vent their anger on the one person, and then the emperor keeps ruling, right? They 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 know that themselves, right? They they don't want to yeah. take take too many risks because they they will get shoved out, you know, as as that scapegoat thrown yeah. to the wolves. And you see it with the with the COVID situation, where you know the politicians are passing the buck over to the the medical team, and the medical team are saying, no, well, we've covered our asses here, and it's the media that's doing it. They're they're all passing the buck, right? And and it's a case okay, of. But- picking apart the the infrastructure so that the individuals have got nothing to to rest on, right? But, you know, it's like I say, it doesn't matter what they do. Our attention should not be on, quote, them. The attention has to be on what are we going to do among our own people. And most of, you know, it's really interesting because we'll be having Zoom calls and people will agree to that. And then they'll say, yeah, but look what Putin's doing. And I say, look, stop that. (laughs) Guys, stop it. (laughs) You got to... Ignore them. They don't really matter ultimately. The matter is our what matters is what we are going to do in the next moment. We could all die tomorrow, really. This could be the last day of your life. What are you going to do with it? Not protest, not com- keep saying the obvious about all those people. It's what are we going to build right now in our communities and in myself that my descendants are going to be able to use in the future. So really it's it's like trying to herd cats with people, but you've got to keep pushing them in that direction about Look at our own task and not the so-called bad guys, right? We, so you go back a, a few hundred years and, and you find, you know, over here in Europe that there was a lot of people who, who realized that this was uh, a non-tenable environment and infrastructure that they were living in. So they thought, right, what can we do? Let's, let's start afresh. Let's cross the ocean and we'll go somewhere where, you know, pristine snow or whatever, and, and we'll, we'll start afresh from anew. But then the problems or, or the enemies or, or the, the hegemonicon followed them over and infiltrated and destroyed, destroyed um, you know, their, their 
they're, they're good ideas, right? And, well, and similarly, they, they, similarly they with, the, with the child protection stuff I'm in at the moment, right. you know, there's, there's families and individual mothers, parents who they want to get on with their lives. They, they want to, you know, ignore uh, the, the adversaries, the opponents, the enemies, but, but they're, they keep encroaching into their lives, right? So, you know, we talked at the beginning about identifying the enemy and, and how difficult that is. And, and these individuals that are representing the, uh, the psychopathy, the hegemonicon, they, they need, um, resisting, right? Repelling, uh, fighting. Okay. But here's how we fight. By not attacking, but do taking back power. That's the first step. Take back power. So uh, the example you used of the Puritans in America, the Puritan remnant that came over to America, they created the American Republic because they wrote the first constitution in history. It said we in the Plymouth, uh, in the Mayflower Compact, it says we are forming a civil government. We, the people, and they couched it in very uh, religious terms. But uh, the point is that was the model for the American Republic right there. Boom, the seed. Now, the fact that their opulence and their empire and all that corrupted it, that's the cycle of history. That'll always happen. That's why Thomas Jefferson said you need a revolution every 25 years, people. (laughs) You've got to revolt in your own mind and thinking and throw them all out. It's like nature. You need to replenish all the time, right? Revolution is your birthright. And you have to act on it or you'll live in tyranny. It's that simple. So that's the message now. And I know we've only got like, what, 10 minutes left here, but I I really want to leave people with that message that we have to continually create it. It's like this permanent revolution in ourselves and and right now. Uh, And in terms of the child protection thing, well, you don't rely on the system. You've got to set up the alternative safeguards so that you can pull your kids out of the system. And that's the hard thing to teach people, but we've got to build that, right? So with that 25-year regular revolution, how, how about a debt reset? I, th- I think is, I, I heard that in, in some yeah. Arabic countries, I think it's maybe even seven years, they just wipe all debt and, and start afresh. That's the Jubilee Laws in the Old Testament. Uh, and it's interesting. That's a great topic uh, for another show because Jubilee Economics says all debts are canceled routinely. Uh, it, the land has to be replenished. The way farmers lie, let their, their field lie fallow every third year to allow it to regenerate, the economy has got to be the same way. You level the differences. And it's interesting because when in, in the Bible, when Jesus gets up in the synagogue and he announces what he's doing for the first time, he says, I'm, I'm bringing in the Jubilee year. And then they try to kill him. They take him out and try to throw him off a cliff for doing that, right? right. He creates this uproar because the Jubilee said, you, you law said you, you cancel all debts. All land goes back to the original owners. All the differences are leveled. You open the prisons and lever everybody out. That's really what Jesus, he was a revolutionary. That's what Christ was doing. He was wanting to bring in the Jubilee. And of course, that threatened the Romans and the Pharisees and all sorts of rich <laughs> landowners. And that's why they killed them. But the point is that that Jubilee vision is, uh, is what we're talking about. Exactly the kind of program in a nutshell of a common law republic, right? Was was that the same incident where, where he smashed up the temple of the debt collectors? That was at the end. He, at, at the start of his ministry, this is in the in the Matthew, Mark, and Luke synoptic gospels, kind of the early ones. Uh, he starts his ministry by causing a riot in his hometown of Nazareth, and they try to kill him. And he finishes it by by trashing the money changers out of the temple in Rome and in, in Jerusalem with the Roman garrison right next door. 
active insurrection. That and then immediately after that, he's crucified for doing it. But you see, all of his work is insurrectionary. It's saying to people, toss out these bastards. We don't need them. He said, I I I came to bring division, not peace. Right? Is that I want to light quick, the world on fire. Luke, Luke 12, it, I come not to bring peace, but division, to set brother against son, uh, father against son, brother against brother. Uh, I want to set fire to the world. You know, he talks about that. So that's revolutionary talk, and yet somehow it gets kind of degraded into this thing called Christianity, right? Right. It, so, you know, it's that dilution of, of that fervor and the salts, right? You mentioned the salt. Didn't he also talk about uh, pulling, pulling the, the stone out of the temple so it all collapses? We said, uh, well, yeah, that was uh, predicting his death. That was a lot of editing. Later, the church wrote this stuff into the Bible saying he was predicting his death and resurrection. He said, if you uh, uh, get rid of the stone, the whole temple is going to fall, but it will rise again. Um, so, I mean, you know, that's you've got to kind of separate the original stain from all the story around it that got added, added on later. But that kernel of of the idea that nobody is your ruler, you can rule yourself. There's one authority that's the creator, and we're all equal within the creator. I mean, it's it's this radical egalitarian message, and and it's really our answer to the corporatocracy, which is the empire. 